speaking of games, I know I, I posted it on Facebook, and some of you don't have Facebook, and I just, you know, one of those moments that makes you proud to be from Live Ham was Friday night. It's an interesting, interesting night for us. We, uh, there was a post on Facebook that said the game started at 5, so Shiloh and I left out of here and went over there and uh, got to Ranger High School, and uh, there were three cars there, and I was like, there are no buses, so I start trying to find out what's going on, and everybody's like, I don't know. Then I find out some kids walking out, games in there, yeah, 6.30. But the JV, we don't have any JV. Oh, okay. So Then we got there, and we were watching the game, and, well, we started, of course, their team came out on the court, and every one of them, except for about two, was shallow size compared to our Latvian Indians. Um, and they could play basketball on a little less level than, than our boys do. But I was very proud as I watched as our boys played in a way that made them shine. You know, you could tell that they were skilled and they could do what, what they were doing there. They loved to do what they were doing. But they also played in a way that let this smaller, less skillful team walk away with dignity that night. Uh, just, you know, and they just had fun with it. It was a, it was a fun game. Uh, I walked away thinking it probably wasn't the most exciting game I've seen, but it was one of the most enjoyable. It was one of those, you know, when you go to the to little dribblers, you're out there and you want your kid's team to win, but you're, you're cheering for both sides when they do something good because these are little kids and you want to build them up. And that's kind of what you felt like there at the end of the game. You know, both sides are, are applauding and cheering when Rangers make making baskets. It was just one of the most amazing things that, that I had seen. Um, and if you weren't there, you missed... <clears throat> you missed, I mean, you missed a night. They had their biggest guy. He got fouled once and went to the first time, first foul of the game. He went to the free throw line, and some lady from the other thing that I thought was his grandma, she might not have been, because she yelled, "Make Granny proud!" <laughs> and so I thought it was his grandma until the boy proceeded to spin the ball and kiss it. And then make Granny throw free shots. <laughs> and so, maybe she was his grandma, maybe she wasn't. But that was a an event that made me very proud to be in part of this community. And proud of our boys and proud of our coaching staff for living and reacting in such a way with such integrity in a world that is lacking integrity. So, just wanted to say that. Um, you know, there was a point in my life <coughs> when I was absolutely mad at God. Um, and mad is the only word I can use to describe it. Um, I had accepted Jesus when I was 15. I surrendered to ministry when I was 16. Preached my sermon, first sermon, three months later. I was a leader in my youth group. I created and, and, and worked as part of a traveling drama team that, that went to different churches and did revivals and things like that. And then I became the unofficial interim youth minister all by the time I was 19 years old. And then the bottom of um, There was a series of bad events in my life culminating in my parents' divorce. Uh, this example of love that I had had for 26 years was suddenly no more. And, uh, well, okay. I only had it for 19 years. They'd been married for 26 years. But that's, there was just no more. And I was mad. I was done. 
I could not handle it anymore. God was not the God he had promised me he was, so why should I do what he wanted me to do? That was very much my attitude. <clears throat> As we continue in our series of Malachi this week, we find Israel in a very similar position. Um, in fact, they say some of the similar words that I had said to God back then as we pick up there in Malachi. Um, they're just frustrated. But in verse 17 of chapter 2 of Malachi, we find these words. You have wearied the Lord with your words, yet you ask, how we wearied him? When you say everyone who does what is evil is good in the Lord's sight, and he is pleased with them, or where is the God of justice? See, I'm going to send my messenger, and he will clear the way before me. And then the Lord you seek will suddenly come to his temple, the messenger of the covenant you desire. See, he is coming, says the Lord of hosts. But who can endure the day of his coming? And who will be able to stand when he appears? For he will be like a refiner's fire, like cleansing lime. He will be like a refiner and purifier of silver. He will purify the sons of Levi and refine them like gold and silver. Then they will present offerings to the Lord in righteousness. And the offerings of Judah and Jerusalem will please the Lord as in the days of old and years gone by. I will come to you in judgment, and I will be ready to witness against sorcerers and adulterers, against those who swear falsely, against those who oppress the widow and the fatherless, and cheat the wage earner, and against those who deny justice to the foreigner. They do not fear me, says the Lord of hosts. Because I, Yahweh, have not changed, you descendants of Jacob have not been destroyed. Let's pray. Father God, we come to you right now and we thank you and praise you for your blessings. So we ask right now that you would take this time and use it for your glory. Father, use me as the best of my words and I speak to yours and yours alone. Father, we thank you and we praise you. We ask all these things in the name of your son, Jesus, and for his sake. And all God's people said, Amen. <laughs> you know, we must be careful not to falter in our faith when we don't understand. Israel's problem was my problem. Maybe your problem. God wasn't doing things the way they thought he should. God had promised a deliverer. He had promised freedom. He had promised release. He had promised restoration. And here they were, returned from exile. The temple was rebuilt, but Messiah had not come. They were still being ruled. They didn't have everything that they wanted. Meanwhile, others around them had power. They had wealth. They had everything Israel was looking for. And Malachi begins, you've wearied the Lord with your words. And they ask how. And he says this, Everyone, you say, everyone who does what is evil is good in the Lord's sight, and he is pleased with them. Or where is the God of justice? Israel had begun to say, God isn't really who God says he is. Or, if he is, he loves those people who do evil. And he's ignoring those of us who do good. Why isn't he acting? Why isn't he doing what I know that he can do? That sound familiar? You ever been there? God, I don't understand why I'm going through this. I don't understand why I have to deal with this. I don't understand what this is. Why do they have it and I don't? What's going on? In essence, we belong to him and we deserve the blessings that we are getting while others are getting blessed. So the answer must be that God isn't who he says he is or he really doesn't love us or he might not even be there. 
Humans are fickle creatures. We're very fickle. We're so quick to write off God when he doesn't fit our box. But we have to be careful not to lose sight of the fact that God's ways are not our ways. We cannot lose faith when God does not act or react in the ways we think he should. God's plan is always at work. There is a blueprint that we do not see. There is an action that is always going. We may see bits and pieces, but we do not see completely. <coughs> what is the best part of the Super Bowl? The commercials. You know, there was a group of commercials a few years back from the AmeriQuest Mortgage Company. And uh, there was one where a man walks into his house with flowers in one hand and grocery bag in the other. And he puts the flowers in the, in the bottle of champagne or wine or whatever with the glasses on the table and he gets the candles ready. And he goes into the kitchen to, to, to make the dinner and he begins chopping vegetables on this side while the spaghetti sauce is over here in a pan starting to simmer on the stove. And his white cat comes in and jumps up on the counter. And then as he goes to shooing, the white cat hits the pot handle, dumps the sauce everywhere, and falls into the sauce. So he reaches down to grab the cat, to pick up the cat, and wash her off. And at that moment, as he's standing with a red cat in this hand and a knife in this hand, his wife walks in the door. <laughs> there was another commercial they had in that same series where a man sitting at the table eating breakfast. And his wife walks by with the tray and he, she says, I don't hate your mother. <clears throat> he just kind of looks at her. She walks into the room where his mother is in bed and she's obviously sick and the tray's for her and the pillows have fallen on the floor. So she lays the tray down and she picks the pillow up and goes to put it back on the bed and about the time she gets right over her mother's face, her husband walks in the door and drops his cup of coffee. my favorite. There was a man who was having a picnic in the park with his dog on a leash. And he finished up his meal and he threw everything away except the brownies that he had in his lunch dessert. And about the time he stood up, the dog saw another dog that he wanted to run after. And so the dog ran that way and jerked the leash and he dropped the brownie. And as he was bending down to to pick up the brownie, this grandma stops with her little granddaughter and says, oh, what a cute dog. And he picks up the brownie from behind the dog and begins to eat it. The tagline for all of these commercials was, don't judge too quickly. We don't. We can't judge God's plan without seeing it through. There was so much more going on when the man's holding the cat in one hand and the knife in the other. All the wife walked in was saw what she looked like a bloody cat with her husband with a knife. She didn't know the backstory. How often is that what God's doing in our life? We see this little picture. We see this little sliver of what's happening. And we begin to make these judgment calls about who God really is. God doesn't really love me or he wouldn't let me go through this. But you don't know what God is using that for. And you don't know what that moment is about. Because there's a bigger picture at play. We must be careful not to blame God when things don't go to our plans. Certainly, 
We have to keep from blaspheming him by saying things about him that aren't true. We don't want to be people who weary the Lord. <clears throat> the passages here in Malachi we call disputations. They are disputations because it is the people of God disputing with God. The people will ask a question and God will answer that question. And here God answers with much more than Israel bargained for. Because Israel said, well, how have we wearied you? And he gives them the reason they have wearied him. But then he expands upon it. He says, not only am I going to send Messiah, but I'm going to do even more than that. I'm going to blow your minds. Because he's going to transform what people think. You know, the work of Jesus in our lives isn't to bring blessing, but to bring purity and cleansing. God says to Israel, I'm going to send Messiah, but before I send Messiah, I'm going to send my messenger. And when Messiah does get there, he's going to do things that you never expected him to do. He's going to do things that are going to blow your mind. He isn't just going to come to you and give your country back. He isn't coming so you can have everything you think you deserve. He's coming to purify you. He's coming to fix what is broken. Israel was looking towards Jesus, so the whole concept was foreign. But for us, we're looking back. And the truth is just as important for us. The work of Jesus in our lives isn't to bring blessing, but to purify and to cleanse us. That's who we are as well. He didn't come to bless us. He came to fix us. He came to put right what we've made wrong. He came to give us a way to overcome the things that have been put in front of us. And he talks about it in such a way he says he's going to be like a refiner's fire, like a cleansing lie. Have you ever watched silver be purified? To purify silver, they take it and they put it in a, a vessel and they heat that silver. And they heat it and they heat it and they heat it. And as it heats, the dross separates from the silver. But it's a great amount of heat in order for this to happen. And so the longer the silver's under the heat, the more pure you can make that silver be. When, when, when Malachi says he's going to come like a refiner's fire, this isn't an easy process. The great heat changes the composition of the material that goes in. The higher the heat and the length of time, the purer the silver becomes. It's not easy. The same with a cleansing line, a launder or so. The process of cleaning clothes was not thrown in the washing machine. We have generations now that don't realize that you didn't used to just wash clothes by pushing a button. There was work that went into it. And even, even those of us that were in the last century or so, that was still less work than it was for people back then. The process just took so much and you were beating it against the rocks and you were wringing it out. You ever tried to wring out a sheet by yourself? Man, you start wringing that thing. Can you imagine being the sheet? Because that's what it means. He's, it's like launderer's soul. It's the process of being clean. It's the process of, of all these things that God is going to just ring us and ring us and ring us to get all that out of us. To make us clean. To make us clear. These things happen to remove the things that God doesn't like. 
Here he talks about sorcerers and adulterers and swearing falsely and oppressing the downtrodden. The person who cheats wage earners or denies justice to foreigners. God tells Israel, I am coming, but when I do, I'm going to clean house. household where you came home and you were in trouble and mama said just wait till daddy gets home that, that's what Malachi is saying here you just wait till daddy gets home he's going to take care of this that's what it is he's coming and when I come home in a clean house Jesus didn't save you just to bless you he saved you to fix you he saved you to purify you he saved you to refine you and guess what you're not done you're not finished just because you said, I know Jesus, doesn't mean God is done purifying you. Because just like silver continues to be heated to get more and more impurities out, just like the more you wash a piece of clothing, the more dirt comes out. Just like those things, God continues on. You're still a work in progress. There will still be times for you in the refiner's fire. There are still going to be times when God begins to heat you. Because it's necessary to remove those things that God doesn't like. Those things that stand in the way of you being his righteous possession. He has to remove them. He has to move them out of the way. When my dad had his accident, he was in the process of selling a rental house we had in Azel. Suddenly, there was really no owner. My dad owned it, but he was disabled. My grandmother had power of attorney, but she didn't know what to do. Fifteen years later, the people who bought the house were trying to sell the house. But they couldn't sell the house because my dad had a lien on the house. In order to sell the house, they had to pay his estate the lien. But in order for us to prove that he were his estate, we had to get legal paperwork proving that we were the legal heirs. There were a lot of hurdles for a $4,000 payout. It was $4,000 keeping this man from selling the house. And it took us three years to do it. When God begins to work and begins to move and begins to pull things out of us, he's pulling things out. It may take a long time. It may take a long time to get those things out of the way. But he moves them so they're no longer in our way to be where he wants us to be. He removes those things. Then, after God says all this, after he says, I'm going to remove the things that keep you from being a righteous possession, he ends with a warning, a reminder to everybody that God's patience is a sign that he has not changed and he is still merciful. When Israel, what Israel was taken as God's neglect and lack of care was actually his continued patience with the rebellious people. All of these things that God says he's going to remove are the things that Israel went into exile for. And they're doing them again. We have short memories. Those are the exact things they went into exile for. And now they're back. They're in the land. The temple's rebuilt. 
And they're saying God isn't fair. But they're doing the exact same things that God has already disciplined them for before. He says, he says you're putting yourself outside of God's best. And you're trying to blame me for your lack of blessing. God, I know. <coughs> I know that I'm where I don't need to be all the time. And I don't understand why you're not blessing me. You must not love me. I'm not doing what you asked me to do, God. But because you don't bless me, you don't love me. That's where Israel was. What God says is the only reason you aren't God is because I don't change. And I still want what's best for you. The warning, I believe, is particularly good for us today to remember on two levels. First, that God does not change. His standard has not changed. What was sin back then is still sin today. There's no difference. I have heard preachers get in the pulpit and wax eloquent about how maybe we misidentified that. No, it's still sin. If God called it sin once, he calls it sin. God and his standard does not change with the times because someone gets their feelings hurt. That, that's, what, that's what the world wants us to believe. Well, God wouldn't hurt my feelings because he's a God of love. And so he's hurting my feelings if you say that. So this can't be true. You're just misinterpreting the Bible. No, honey. God didn't come to bless you. He came to purify you. If I don't tell my children to not touch the things that are going to hurt them, that's not love. I'm sorry, this, there is this uh, trend these days to be your child's best friend. No, I'm my children's daddy. And as daddy, there's right and there's wrong. Are we going to have a friendship? Yes. Am I going to love on them? Yes. But part of that love is to say, but you don't need to do that. You don't need to take part in that. Well, can, why can't I watch that video? Because I said so. I said I was never going to say that, but that's the reason why right now. Because I said so. I haven't seen it, therefore you're not going to watch it. Until I know what's in it, you don't have free reign. He's, you know, after last week's, you know, throwing out cap, Shallow's a little nervous now because he's never going to be able to get away with anything. Because I'm in charge of our internet at my house. Well, good. It means something that goes on your head. You work to school on Friday. But that's our job. Is to keep them from danger. And sometimes that hurts. Sometimes when you say no, guess what they're going to do? They're going to cry. They're going to scream. They're going to kick. They're going to squeal. So... Did I hurt your feelings? Sorry. My mama. I think I hurt my parents too much sometimes, but my mama, when I would get mad, always sang a song that I sing to my kids now. She would say, Troy's mad, now I'm glad. Don't know how to please him. 
bollock to make him stink, and a little girl will hug and squeeze him. That was it. Boy, it made me mad. Maybe mad, mad, mad. But you know what? She got the point across. What am I mad about? I mean, it isn't until much later that you realize that your parents want what's best for you. That they're trying to keep you safe. That's what the world's looking at. They've got a heavenly father there in, in, in heaven who wants what's best for them. And it may hurt their feelings a little bit. But they think that love isn't supposed to hurt. But in my experience, love is some of the most painful things you can deal with. Because love carries responsibility. God does not change. He's not wrong. His word is not wrong. They are eternal. But also the thing we should remember about God being not changing is that his patience is still a sign of mercy. How many of us have said, oh, I'm done. I just wish Jesus would come back. I'm trying to find a nice way to explain why I have an issue with that statement. Yes, John says, come for Jesus. But if I'm wishing for Jesus to come back right now, I'm wishing for everybody who doesn't know him to go to hell. That terrifies me. I want to be with Jesus. And I don't want somebody else not to be with Jesus because my prayer is for Jesus to be here now. That's tough. It took a long time for me to get there because all of my elders would tell me, well, Jesus needs to come back right now and just finish all this stuff. And I'm thinking, okay. And I thought that for a while because my elders told me that. And then I went, wait a minute. But I have lots of friends who don't know Jesus. And if he came back right now, I would never see those friends again. But more importantly than my whole I want to see my friends again is that they would be in hell for the rest of eternity. How many of us wonder why all these things keep happening? Have you looked at our world? There is some good news this week. Have you read about Asbury College in Kentucky? Revival has fallen on that campus. What started as a chapel on Wednesday morning in a Methodist college. Would that just need to get with it? In a Methodist college. They haven't left the building since. The Spirit has fallen. They have been praying. They have been singing praises to God. They have been... It's just there. And parents have begun to come and join. And other colleges have made the trip to join. And revival has broken out. God is still working. Let me assure you that all of these things are still the mercy of God. He wishes that none should perish. He waits... He tarries so that the fullness of salvation can come in. That's why he waits. So that everybody who's supposed to be saved and is going to be saved can be saved. Maybe, just maybe, we're not destroyed along with our wickedness because God does not change and is still merciful. God is a constant. He doesn't change. And although we don't understand His design or His timing, he is always working in unseen ways. Don't despair when his ways don't look like what you think they should. I promise he knows best. And he's even now working to purify you into the perfect 
image of Jesus. That's what he's doing. He hasn't stopped. He's still working at that because he wants us to be where he is. <coughs> Maybe this morning you've been walking the valley. The valley's rough. In the valley, the sun doesn't shine as long. In the valley, times are sometimes tougher. Maybe this morning, you're there. Maybe you are struggling with being in the valley. And you're wondering why, God. Just, just stop. Just wait. Because God's still at work. There's still a plan. He's still doing something that you can't even see right now. But when you do see it, in all of its beauty, you'll be amazed. I don't do puzzles. I know some of you do. But isn't it funny how you can take one little piece from one little edge of a thousand piece puzzle and it just looks like a blob of color? But when you place it into that picture, it's something to behold. That's what God's doing in your life. Maybe this morning you want to pray. The altar's open. I'll pray with you. Maybe you want to turn to missions or ministry. Maybe you want to join this church in membership. Maybe this morning you've never known Jesus. Maybe you are one of the people he is tarrying for. <laughs> Maybe it's your name he is calling today to join the roles so that the song we sang earlier will be for you that when we get there, how amazing it will be. Now's the time. Don't wait. We're promised now. We're not promised tomorrow. But wherever you're at, whatever you need, give it to him. Let's pray. Father God, we come to you right now. We thank you. We praise you for your blessing.